Wait, do I normally play the music or do I? Sometimes you have. I don't know. Maybe I'll just add the music. It's fine. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> up everyone it's hardcore football i'm your host phil Baki. i'm joined tonight by mika burrell mika we've i mean i what kind of intro am i supposed to do for this episode like this isn't <laughs> <laughs> there's no intro like uh, i know i know it's <laughs> it's season two y'all so it is i know and it it's crazy because i should be like excited about season two starting i should be like hyping that up. I mean, I should probably mention that our Twitter handles at HXC football and that you can find our <laughs> podcast on Spotify and Apple podcasts and all that stuff. But I mean, <laughs> what a way to start out season two. Yes. Obviously we're here to talk about the bombshell that is Rangers getting knocked out of the champions league qualifiers. <laughs> that is not what we're here for. <laughs> what are we here for? Phil? Tell the people. Oh my God. Mika. Lionel Messi has departed Barcelona at the expiry of his contract and signed a two-year deal with a third-year option at Petit Saint-Germain, the soft power kings of Qatar. Um, <laughs> and we, I mean, we are sitting here, uh, like, this is nothing short of one of the most historic moves, most seismic moves in the world of football in the last, I mean, 50 years, the last century, maybe ever. Maybe ever. I don't know. What's, I guess when uh, Maradona went to Napoli, that was pretty big, but I think this yeah. is even bigger just because of how it went down. Um, oh, and also who the, who the player is, because for me, Lionel Messi is the best to ever do it. Obviously, um, but what? Yeah. <laughs> I don't even know where to begin. Um, I mean, what's your like knee jerk reaction to this? I think, I mean, this is for me, bar none, one of the biggest, one of the biggest shocks. And I know that it, maybe the reaction's been dulled, um, because we've, we've seen the problems at Barca. We've seen, this slow decline um, that took place and kind of this, this ebb or, or flow, however you want to talk about it. But this, this move of Messi away from Barca was, was years in the making literally. Um, but to me, it doesn't, it doesn't dull the, the edge of seeing a guy who literally calls himself Catalan at this point like he has spent more of his life in Barcelona and his wife is from Barcelona his kids were born in Barcelona he says his family is Catalan like that is his roots in in Barcelona are extremely deep and the idea that a player like that who has spent over two decades at one club the size of Barcelona now had the incentive or had the opportunity or had had been pushed to moving to another club is just, it's, 
it's nothing short of unbelievable. And it's still going to be jarring to see Messi in, in a different blue and red, uh, than the Blaugrana. Right. Yeah. Oh my goodness. It's, I mean, I echo all of that, obviously. And I mean, for me, it's especially weird because he and Barcelona are the reason why I am a football fan. I mean, they were the first like exposure really that I had to club European club football. Uh, and I, I know I've spoken about that before on the pod, so we, w- we won't, you know, dive too deep into that, but wow. Um, it's nuts. Like, I can't believe it. He is, he is Barcelona. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, like you said, he spent most of his life there more, more time spent there than he did in Rosario back in Argentina. Um, he even said in his press conference, the very teary eyed press conference at that, that his kids are Catalan Argentine and you know, this is their home and, um, wow. Um, but at the same time, like, I don't blame him. Like of all the choices that he had, I don't blame him one bit going to PSG. That's a very exciting project. Um, a new challenge. Uh, it is unfortunate the way that it went down and I know we'll get onto that, but wow. Um, they are, they've got to be the favorites for every trophy they'll be playing for. Um, and yeah, uh, it's crazy. It's crazy. <laughs> wow. All the all the jokes about Neymar wanting to get out of his shadow and really Neymar just wanted to be playing with Messi again. Yeah. Uh, and uh, wow. I, <laughs> He's not even wearing a number 10 shirt. Like everything about it is just bizarre. Like yeah. <laughs> he takes number 30. Right. They, they, wow. And straight <laughs> into straight into a, a strike partnership that is reminiscent of the MSN days uh at barcelona and now eminem is that what they're calling it eminem i mean oh if they don't that's a missed <laughs> opportunity truly mnm wow i that team is insane they're like literally the fucking harlem globetrotters of european football right <laughs> like they've got wow this it's i it's mean crazy and this opportunity obviously for for PSG presents itself in a season that was impacted so heavily by COVID and lack of fans, um, the French TV deal, like playing an impact, um, La Liga's battle, you know, with its top two teams and the super league and, uh, a, a media rights and, uh, like all kinds of, they're selling equity in the league and all of these things, like, this sort of this right. sort of thing was a perfect storm for PSG to be able to sign a player like Messi um and seizing on Barcelona's Barcelona's issues but it's not the only business that PSG have done and it i mean like you said they're going into the season like they they lost the league to Lille and it, they've come back with an absolute vengeance this year Every time that that PSG loses Ligue 1, they go off in the transfer market. I mean, the last time this happened when they when Monaco won the league, they went and bought Kylian Mbappe mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> from <and> Monaco. <laughs> from Monaco, <laughs> right? <laughs> so this is obviously a whole new level. Um, possibly the greatest transfer window of all time for any one club. Obviously, we'll see how it ages, yeah. right? But right now, on paper, Jean Luigi Donnarumma free. Uh, Europe, European champion, 
<laughs> Euro 2020 champion with Italy and, uh, you know, signed on a free, one of the best young goalkeepers in the world, if not the best. Yep. Uh, Gino Wijnaldum for free from Liverpool. Uh, you know, getting on a bit, but still very much like a, a very serviceable player in midfield. Uh, Dutch national team captain. Um, yep. Who else? Sergio Ramos on a free. <laughs> Pushed out of Real Madrid for various reasons. He's, uh, you know, injured, but still, I mean, adding that experience to that back line and, and just that mentality in the locker room, that, that presence in the locker room, huge. And now, you know, Messi, really, like, the greatest to ever do it? Yeah. And Hakimi. <laughs> Who am I missing? Hakimi. And Hakimi. Oh Hakimi God. for 60 million pounds. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that's a lot of money, but, I mean. For sure. I don't know if, I don't remember if it was pounds or euros, but one of the best wingbacks in the world last season and enters, you know, Serie A title winning challenge. So yeah. or title winning campaign. So I, I mean, just massively ridiculous business. A lot of that for a quote free, I say quote free because nothing's free in this world. Sure. They didn't pay any transfer fees, but those agents and oh. sign on bonuses and all that were probably the, nuts. The, the wages, wages are, are going to be, insane yeah but but even so i mean excellent business all the way around i i i guess you could argue maybe this team is still a bit imbalanced sure. but you know we'll see how that we'll see how that goes as the season progresses which legal is now in place so. it is and we will we will fully get onto that i know anyone who listened to season one of this podcast knows how much we we stand legal and, and we will we will get onto it um for all y'all that are new to the party, thanks to the arrival of, of Lionel Messi. <laughs> um, but no, the, the, I guess the, the overarching question for PSG is like, they've made all, they've done all this business. They've went out and splashed like, obviously not a lot in transfer fees, but they have went out and spent a lot of money to bring in some of these like top, top talents They've gotten a little bit older in some ways because obviously guys like Ramos, even Vinaldum's 30. Um, but you know, Donnarumma younger Hakimi younger, like early twenties. Um, but they've gotten older <laughs> and messy now, you know, on in years. So, um, does this team with the superstar names that it has, like has PSG finally loaded up, that team enough to to go out and win the Champions League, which has been the stated goal since since day one. Well, like I said at the end of the season, I thought that that they'd taken a lot of steps, not only you know competitively, but in in first of all making that final against Bayern, and then making it to the semi was it semifinal semifinal quarterfinal again. They made it far again in the, yeah. in the Champions League last season, and I thought that their mentality has changed a lot. And now to just add more winners to that locker room, I mean, it's hard to say that they haven't taken yet another step towards, you know, the couple of the big years. Um, and again, when you, when you add Lionel Messi to that, I mean, that's just unfair. Um, yeah. I guess the only question will be, will all the players gel? Because I think what we saw at Barcelona was a lot of money was spent on a ton of players, many of whom did not, you, you could argue, gel with Lionel Messi or or feel like they could, you know, play on his level. Um, so that's one question. Two, of course, is Mauricio Pochettino. Can he make the most out of this talent? Because, I mean, imagine a penny for his thoughts, because coming from <laughs> Tottenham Hotspur, where they were not spending 
worth jack shit. Like, I, I, I mean, I thought it was a mistake to sack him. I thought they should have refreshed the squad, and that's why it went down so yeah. badly at the end. But now he's got, again, the Harlem Globetrotters of Europe now. <laughs> like, he's got, he's got all the tools. There's no excuses anymore uh, to, to, to win everything. Um, but it, it just remains to be seen if he can actually coach a winning side. He's not won any huge trophies. So right. that's the other question for this side, I suppose. Yeah, I think I think a lot is going to be is going to tell pretty early on um, because these are even for a super club like PSG. These are some gravity inducing egos on this team <laughs> like True, right, right there are Man some management. serious some serious like yeah they could throw a team off its axis real quick i think i think the question mark because we know that neymar neymar's best performances at a high level were in that barcelona team like with messi and suarez so i think i think the wild card in in this whole um this whole setup is actually Kylian Mbappe um, and how he'll react to being a, you know, one third of a just crazy levels partner attacking partnership versus being, you know, star boy. Like that's (laughs) that. And that is like who he's been for, for PSG recently. Um, And especially in those, under the bright lights, I guess, as you say, um, in Europe. So it'll be interesting just to see how that partnership comes together. Um, I think Messi, you know, has always obviously raised the level of those around him, but, um, but he's not often playing with, or at least recently at Barcelona, hadn't played with someone <laughs> like on that right. level. Um, Griezmann was humbled uh, like for most of the last couple of years. So, um, <laughs> so yeah, I think it's just an interesting, it'll be a really interesting dynamic um, and, and one that Pochettino will have to to manage, I think pretty closely. Yeah, for sure. The, the man management is huge and uh, I don't know. That's just crazy. I, I think there's a lot of like, a, I don't think I can guarantee there's a ton of pressure now on him, even more so than there was before. Um, but as they say, pressure makes diamonds. <laughs> so yeah. we'll see. So the question now, and we'll obviously get on to Ligon and, and how, how the first match day played out, but Anytime there's a move of this magnitude, and I mean, I say it like it happens often. This is like this unprecedented, is like in yeah. in our lifetimes, in terms of like the weight of this transfer. Um, what does it mean for the rest of the league? Like, are we staring down the barrel of PSG just absolutely blowing this league away, or is Ligue going to mount some? Uh, mount some resistance as they did last year with Lille locking down the title. Yeah, it's fascinating. I mean, you, we saw during the week in the lead up to what, you know, what we now know is a for sure move Messi to, to PSG and to Ligue 1. A lot of coaches around the league were very excited about it, which I thought was interesting. Cause I think at the end of the day, uh, French coaches, French players, the, the league, they all just want what's best for the league. And obviously this raises the profile of the league immensely. Now, what does this mean for the competition? That's that's another question. I really hope that we don't start seeing like double digit 
joke figures because this team is so stacked. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I don't know. We'll we'll have to see. I hope that I hope that the 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 rest of the league can kind of how would I say this? I don't know, like kind of profit in their own way from this. Maybe with the increased interest in the league, more money will flow to everyone and, you know, uh raise everyone's profile. Um obviously PSG are the ones gonna be completely winning out on this, but Hopefully that this this creates more investment, more interest, more eyes on the league, um, and and maybe just raises the sporting level of the league in general. But obviously all these things we'll have to just see. Um, I'm sure all the TV rights deals that are already secured will probably want to renegotiate now. <laughs> the yeah. league will want to because this just this property just got way more valuable uh, <laughs> with with the goat uh, joining. So. Um, yeah, it'll, it'll be fascinating. I was already planning on watching the league uh, a lot this season. I, I watched yeah. a lot of match day one, and it was an incredible opening weekend, to be fair. Now that Messi's joined, like, goodness. It's going to yeah. be awesome. I don't think there will be any issues um, like last season. Um, and and maybe in, in that way, PSG have actually... <laughs> Nasser Al Halifi kind of had painted himself the savior of European football uh more generally by not joining the Super League and not being involved in those talks. Now he's at least practically a savior of French football in that the media rights like will be easy to sell, um, which had been so difficult over the, the last couple of years. He Nasser Al Halifi has made just so many crucially good decisions in the past year and and has played this whole situation to absolute perfection. Obviously, there's some opportunities that presented itself that he might not have, you know, even anticipated. Right. And and I'm not praising that project that they've got going on. I know it's super problematic. I know it's a sports <laughs> washing thing, but I have to give props to Halefi because yeah. one, you don't join the Super League. Curry favor with UEFA, right? You know, you keep your place on top of the UEFA executive committee. BN is obviously going to win out big for this. Huge. You yeah. sign, you sign Messi, like you sign Lionel fucking Messi, <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, and, and, uh, and all the other players too, yeah. to be fair. I mean, he's just and, winning and right that, now. You know, obviously the money, the money plays a huge part in this, but there was a crucial player in this who, absolutely had a shot at signing Lionel Messi. And that is Manchester city. Pep Guardiola is, must have been a huge potential draw for Messi to reunite with Guardiola. So the idea that PSG got him, obviously money plays a huge part, but they had to have sold him on the project. Like for him to not go to reunite with Pep or I mean, maybe, and we'll, we'll get onto the premier league a little bit later and maybe Grealish played a part actually. And maybe, <laughs> maybe city missed a trick. Um, but yeah, I think, I don't think it's like unfair to say that it, it is like, man, maybe timing and, and all that like plays a part, but it's, they kind of snatched him out from underneath his old boss, which is, is wild. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, when it first when he asked, you know, when he came out on that goal interview last year and said that he wanted to leave, obviously City were very interested and very serious about signing him. And yeah, now that's not going to come to pass. But 
again, like I said at the top of the show, like I don't blame him for choosing PSG. It's already a star-studded squad. You get to live in Paris. I mean, yeah. there are certainly worse places. Huge fan base fighting for for Champions League, which he wants to win again. Let's be honest, um, and and deserves to obviously. Um, um, and and yeah, I mean, it's just a very attractive project. Not that City isn't. But I think the the path to trophies is is actually more clear cut with with PSG. Um, you know, you're the best in in the league for you know nine times out of ten, and uh, City are too. But I mean, I, I think that just having Neymar there, having a pretty decent Argentinian contingent at PSG, uh, an Argentinian manager. I mean, yeah. I think all of that stuff appeals. And the last thing, the last thing that uh, that Lionel Messi needs is, you know, at Timbo forty seven fifty three forty five on Twitter saying like Phil Foden should have started tonight. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, he doesn't need that shit. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, and I also I think that Messi's days as a false nine are probably behind him. I think he'll. Yeah, I don't know if he maybe the tactical like plan for him at city didn't appeal. I don't know, but yeah. I think it was more about opportunity and timing to be honest. And, and yeah, PSG just, they win. They're, they're winning hard right now. We'll see if they actually win on the pitch, but everything <laughs> off it is looking real good. <laughs> yeah. They're looking good. And on the flip side, Messi leaves Barcelona in a, I mean, this is the worst situation that we've seen Barcelona in. I mean, in our, certainly in our lifetimes and, and maybe, maybe in their modern history, I'll say um, not looking in good shape. And I mean, I guess the question at the beginning of this is literally like Lionel Messi seemed, it, you know, it seemed like every indication was that he would be able to stay after they held on to him last year. Like it seemed like maybe they were going to figure something out. And even as recently as like a, few days ago there were reports that yeah he's ready to sign an extension with Barca and like everything's good to go um so how did we get to this point where Barcelona lose their I mean in absolute you know talisman doesn't even begin to capture like what Lionel Messi as you said like he is Barcelona in so many ways um how do they go from being like one of the top clubs in Europe and just absolutely flying? Like even as recently, you know, just a few years ago, I mean, I am currently wearing a 2011, like a 2010, 11 Barca kit with Xavi on the back. That is, <laughs> this was the season they won like nine trophies. Um, right. won everything under the sun with, you know, with mess, the likes of Messi and Xavi and Iniesta and, um, how do we get from that to Messi leaving for like a glamour project in PSG um, <laughs> and, and leaving a, a club that he spent more than two decades at? Well, I mean, it's, it's well documented that Messi Barcelona have significant financial issues, but I think we maybe didn't realize just how bad they were because they've now let their greatest ever player go Yeah, uh, for free. Um <laughs> It's absolutely astounding. So, I mean, you know, for I, I know there's a lot of people listening to this probably already know what's going on. But if you don't, we'll, we'll get into it. I mean, Barcelona, 
before Joan Laporta, the current president, was elected, the, the club was run by Josep Bartomeu. He and his board have completely run the, the finances of the club into the ground with just really poor signings, handing out huge wages mm-hmm. uh, to players who probably don't deserve them or aren't good enough or aren't a fit. Yeah. The Neymar money has totally been squandered. Um, and, and the sporting project as well has suffered for that. So, I mean, they're not even getting the bang for their buck, if you will. And, and sure. you know, uh, Joan Laporta inherited a mess, to be fair. Um, but Messi apparently had agreed to a 50% reduction in his salary. Um, but even with that, Barcelona's, you know, wage ratio would not have met La Liga rules. So even if Messi had played for free, actually, they would still, Barca's revenue, I mean, or Barca's wages would still be 95% of their revenue, which is well above the ratio that La Liga has set for the clubs, which is around 70%. That's insane. Um, right. So, I mean, La Liga and Javier Tebas made it very clear that they're not going to be bending the rules for Messi or for anyone. Uh, and, yeah. I mean, you kind of can't blame them. <laughs> I mean, rules are rules, I suppose. Um, and on top of that, apparently, I, I didn't know this till very recently, but even if Messi could play, you know, had offered to play for free, which I think is asinine. Let me just put that out there right now. You don't yeah. ask the greatest of all time to play for free. That's insane. But even if he did as some romantic gesture offer that, that would have been illegal under Spanish law because <laughs> you cannot, uh, you cannot reduce an employment contract wage by, by, by 50% or more. That's to protect employees. Um, and actually I think La Liga itself also has a minimum wage. Mm-hmm. which is like 100,000 euros, something about something around there. Sure. So, I mean, all kinds of legal obstacles to doing that anyway. Um, so, yeah, there's just been this kind of standoff, it would it would seem, between Javier Tebas and, and Joan Laporta, seeing who's going to call whose bluff. And, you know, Laporta did not play the right card here because he's now lost the greatest player in in the club's history and uh, for nothing. Uh, and... And now, now what? I don't know what, what I don't know. This means what this means for FC Barcelona, what it means for La Liga, um, for Messi, who, I mean, yeah, I'm sure he's happy to have signed for PSG, but I really don't think he wanted to leave. No, um, he made that clear that he wanted to stay. So, wow. It's just, it's a big loss for everyone all the way around. It's, it's absolutely wild. Um, and on, on the other like on the other side of this is we just talked about the business that PSG have done Barcelona, on the other hand, facing the financial situation that they, that they are have tried to, to be similarly kind of like savvy in the transfer market. And they've come out the other side with Eric Garcia, Sergio Aguero, Memphis Depay and Emerson. And I got to say, like, all all things considered the business that PSG went out and did in terms of free transfers is pretty impressive. I think each one, you can kind of see what they're adding to PSG in these Barca signings. Like I'm just not seeing like how Sergio Aguero is an improvement on basically they went out, they tried to replace Luis Suarez with Sergio Aguero. Sergio Aguero is a less healthy version of an right. aging of an aging Suarez, Depay has been like largely inconsistent at Lyon. I think would be would be the you know he hasn't he hasn't like 
blown the doors off of Liga Un in any in mm. any stretch. He's been very good for for the Dutch national team. I think um, is where his best performances are. And then and then Emerson, I think, would be a good signing if it was surrounded by if like he was surrounded by other good signings. <laughs> Well, I mean, yeah, I, I don't disagree with anything you've said there, but I have a hard time even thinking about what the sporting implications are of these signings because, as I said, even without Messi's wage on the books, FC Barcelona are still at 95% of their wages being their revenue, which is well off the mark of what La, La Liga is setting as a, as a limit. Yep. They can't register any of these players. So... yeah. <laughs> They cannot register them to play in La Liga. They can stay at they can stay at the club and be club employees, and that doesn't help anyone's bottom line. Just collecting a wage and not playing. Not to mention what what recourse do these players have? I'm sure they were made assurances that yeah, you will be playing with Messi. Yep. You will be playing in La Liga. Like I think that was fair to assume, right? When you signed for FC Barcelona, and if you right. can't be registered, um, I, I if I'm one of those players, I'm on the phone to my agent immediately and my lawyers and saying, well, what what's going to happen here? Because right. this is not what I intended when I signed this contract. So it's just a huge mess. They still have to move so much wages off the books. Apparently, the only player who's offered to cut their wages is Gerard Pique, Um, which, uh, you know, we can have that debate all day about whether they should even be doing that. Right. You know, they agreed to pay these, Barcelona agreed to pay these players these wages. They, I don't think they, I don't think that the, any other players should be pressured into taking a pay cut, but the fact that only PK has kind of shows you that they feel the same way. So, yeah, um, I have a hard time even thinking of what the playing implications are of these players when they can't be registered to play in La Liga in the first place. So, yeah, it's just a gigantic mess. Um, and uh yeah there's been some casualties too on the outs because they've been trying to sell off like some of their younger talent just to ditch some ditch some some salary weight and carlos elena i think everybody was thinking okay he had a good season at hatafe like probably going to come back and compete like in this barca midfield he's gone for five and a half million uh <laughs> jean-claire tadebo made his move to to nice permanent for just shy of 10 million and then uh, Junior Furpo, who, like, a, a left back, they actually sold him to Leeds. And he's going to be right. playing for Marcelo Bielsa next season. So, I, I I don't know. Like, I just I just don't, as you said, and Juan Miranda as well. Like, young left back actually goes for free to Betis, like, almost in a right. swap with for Emerson. So, it's just, I don't know. Like, it's just a, it been an odd summer for Barca in that. I think they've had a handful of guys who were kind of on the fringes and maybe could come back and compete. And they've, they've opted for these more kind of like expensive wage signings, which doesn't seem to fit with the actual problem they're facing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, I think that I think Memphis Depay is a good signing. I, I've kind of come around to it at first. I thought it didn't make a whole lot of sense, but, um, Seeing how he played in the Joan Gamper trophy, I was pretty impressed, to be sure. fair. Eric Garcia, really don't know what to think about that one. Um, Sergio Aguero, you hit the nail on the head. He is actually injured right now, so um, <laughs> there's that. <laughs> Poor guy. <laughs> and let's be honest, he he cut his wages significantly yeah. to join Barcelona, thinking he'd be playing with Lionel Messi. Yeah. So, uh, depending for his thoughts. Um, <laughs> Just going to be a full-time Twitch streamer at this point. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh my god emerson royale i really like that signing i want him to join arsenal to be fair sure. um, i was really impressed with him at, at betis but barcelona already kind of like owned him already in a joint like ownership agreement mm. with betis so right um he's basically just like returning to the club if you will but i mean there's just going to be a lot of pressure now on on the likes of ansu fati Pedri, who has played an insane amount of football this this year, won silver for Spain at the Olympics and apparently wants to jump right back in. And actually, he's one of the few players in this this Barcelona side that actually did have an understanding with Messi on the pitch. And so um, that's unfortunate. But uh, yeah, it's it's an absolute mess at Barcelona. And it's really going to be fascinating to see how they get these players registered if they get them registered. And the the players that remain, I I just like you said, I feel like I feel like there's got to be a, a feeling in the club right now of almost like Messi leaving the club almost has the same effect as like opening the outer door of a spaceship, Like that vacuum just like that it creates, totally depressurized. Yeah, and it feels like it feels like everybody else is either like clinging to whatever furniture they can get their hands on, like whatever's bolted down to to try to hang on, or they're just like being sucked out as well. Like it seems like that that move could have the impact of. I mean, some of these players could be looking for the exit door, like over the next couple of weeks. Yeah, I mean, and if they're some of the high wage earners, I'm sure Laporta and Co. would welcome that. But others are perfectly content to sit there and earn their wage, a la Samuel Mtuti, who is, and, and Marilyn Pjanic, who are basically retired footballers, let's be honest. Yeah, unfortunately. Um, Antoine Griezmann is on an a, a asinine amount of money. Um, I always thought he was a, a ridiculous signing for them because he yeah. is a second striker when if Barcelona ever used that in recent years i just i don't know um yeah it's (laughs) they've literally played a 4-3-3 since johan cruyff was there so it's like (laughs) (laughs) and if anyone's gonna be like a withdrawn forward it's gonna be fucking messy not you yeah so yeah um he's on a, a ridiculous amount of money which hey that was what was offered to him and he accepted it and i don't blame him right but uh that yeah it's just an absolute mess at fc barcelona and uh, I I do feel for the fans, you know, because they they just watch their their absolute icon walk for free, be forced out, really, yeah, by the situation, uh, and that that's got to suck. And off the back of like embarrassment in the Champions League for three straight seasons, basically, right, losing, you know, not even being in the title race really this last season. Uh, I mean, they are. They are, I think we talked, yeah, on Twitter, um, and maybe it was Fernie who brought up AC Milan, but are we about to see Barca enter what is what is known on, on football Twitter as a banter era? <laughs> I've seen a lot of people say that they might become the new AC Milan uh which i mean yeah that could happen um milan have struggled to really hit the heights that they did in the 90s and you know when they were winning all those champions leagues and had you know a dream team uh, and then financial woes hit and 
they haven't won they haven't won the league in like a decade or more. I can't remember exactly, but you may have won most of them <laughs> the last couple leagues. So yeah, yeah. I mean, it might. I think I think it's funny because even with Messi there, what it has been a bit of a banter era anyway. But yeah, this yeah. will definitely accelerate it. Um, and yeah, on the flip side though, I will say maybe some of the players who were happy or at least content with letting Messi basically do it all himself will finally step up um, because. I mean, we saw that with Argentina prior to this summer of them winning Copa America. That they, it was just the the tactics were like pass it to Messi yep. when this is a team game. So maybe with Barcelona, we'll see a shift there, and it'll be for the better. I don't know. I we're mean, talking about challenges, Ronald Koeman faces just a crazy. <laughs> he's he's standing at the base of Everest, standing up right, or like looking up right now. Um, it 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 it'll be just fascinating to watch how they how they respond to this and how the players that are left at Barcelona like if it if it galvanizes them or not I guess um because it could yeah it could it could go really poorly um especially if if there's any more turmoil in terms of in terms of the wage and if they're not able to register some of these signings before the end of the window like this it's gonna get like really ugly um and maybe, maybe it's time to stop ignoring La Masia. Right? I mean, it's, you know, they're that, most La successful. Masia has been falling by the wayside for quite a while now. It, yeah, it's crazy that this whole era was kicked off by like a golden generation of La Masia and turned into Barca trying to be the Galacticos. Like, right. I, I, I'll never understand it. Like,. <laughs> Like, hey, this worked, and rather than lean on the academy, they went out and decided that they were going to splash cash on all the big names and just buy everybody. And instead of supplementing, like, an academy, you know, an academy, like, rich team with a couple big names. But anyways, neither here nor there. (laughs) We're a long way from, we're a long way from those days. Um, Yeah. Do yourself a favor though, and if you're feeling nostalgic, go back and watch some of those some of those games from like peak Messi era, like early 2010s, um, late late 2000s, just when they were you know ripping Madrid to shreds and winning Champions Leagues and the whole nine. Um, you know, I'm not a Barca fan, and those those games still like I I watch those just with like they just. I don't know the it's unbelievable to watch and it's crazy that it's over. Like it's genuinely insane that, and it's not over because Messi is retired. Like that's what I thought this would be. It is over because of mismanagement by the Barca board. And that is just absolutely wild. Absolutely insane. If I'm Bartomeu, maybe if I'm, if I'm Laporta, I would absolutely exit the country (laughs) <laughs> um, which apparently Laporta went straight to Ibiza for, for vacation. So he did oh at least go God. offshore. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, oh, I'm finding man. the next Bezos penis rocket to, to space. <laughs> like that's a, just get me off this planet immediately. <laughs> oh my 28 God. million. Yeah. Whatever. Like I'm embezzling that money straight from Barcelona, getting to space. Truly. Like that's <laughs> <laughs> the books are fucked enough. Might as well. <laughs> 
What's another 20 million? Yeah, no one's going to miss it. Um, <laughs> I'll just write it off as another installment of Coutinho's uh, transfer. So, Oh, my God. I didn't even <laughs> mention him in like my roast of the entire Barca roster. Goodness. <laughs> yeah. But on the back of that, with Messi joining PSG, Liga and coming into sharp focus, obviously, and becoming automatically a, a focus for the whole world. But we've played a match day um, ahead of most of the, the major, the top five leagues in Europe. So this match day one um, lived up to the hype, Mika. And, and you, watched, you watched a decent chunk of it. Um, yeah. What was, which match for you was the pick of the bunch in this one? Oh, it's got to be uh, Montpellier Marseille. That was absolutely incredible. Yeah. Montpellier went up 2-0 at home and Marseille scored three unanswered goals uh to ultimately win the game with all of their new signings. They had like six or seven new signings on the pitch. Uh Marseille have done, you know, after PSG, the most interesting business in league all this summer and um uh, you know, under Jorge Sampaoli, I'm really excited to see what they do. Yeah. Um and who knows? I maybe maybe Le Classique becomes the Derby on the continent uh, once again. Uh, now that now that PSG and, and Marseille are both just pretty stacked, um, yeah. that was a fantastic game. Um, I enjoyed uh, PSG Trois. Trois mm-hmm. are the Ligue 2 champions that have come up from 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 the second division, and they are owned by City Football Group. Let's just put that out there. Yeah. But they played quite well. PSG ended up winning two one, but you know, with their B team, they were struggling against Trois at times, and and they play very nice football. So I wonder if Pep Guardiola's philosophy is kind of just being spread around the entire. City Football Group portfolio because they they are an interesting team that do try to keep it on the ground. I hope they'll have better luck staying up this time in Ligue 1. Um, so that was a really good game. Uh, Mess Lille was a lot of fun too. Lille came back to to tie it. Uh, very like literally the last kick, probably the last kick of the game. Thirty four yeah. year old Burakula Mess, the Turkish king, puts one through the keeper's legs to 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 steal a point for. Jocelyn Govanek's side, um, who, you know, Lille have lost a lot of names over the summer, having, you know, just won the, the championship and have a new manager who last managed Gengomp, I think. So this mm-hmm. is a very high-profile job for him Yeah. Um, with the departure of Galtier. So Lille will be an interesting one to watch. I don't think they repeat as uh, title champions, but um, either way, they're the one that I have a soft spot for in the league, so I'll be watching them closely as well. Yeah, the the three three against Mace was uh, incredible, and I think Leal, after some of their heroics at the end of last season, it's just if Yomaz is on the pitch and there is still the referee hasn't blown the final whistle yet, like odds are he's he's getting into a dangerous area. Like I mean, how many yeah. games in the title race last season did did you think ah looks like they're going to drop points here and then you know ninety plus six. Yomaz yeah. winner, that sort of like he just was always popping up in those moments. So um, I don't know if you saw the tweet from Zach Lowy, who he tweeted out like whatever the starting eleven for PSG that's like ridiculous and messy in it. Yeah, and he said something like, um, "All this to to beat thirty four year old Burek Yomaz." I don't, <laughs> I don't agree, but I understand it. 
It's like exactly. This is Yomaz's league. Like, don't forget it. (laughs) Yomaz forced a sovereign wealth fund of Qatar to spend hundreds of millions of dollar of euros just to just to go out and beat him. Um, (laughs) And the last uh, the last shout out I'll give on on this because the Marseille match was amazing. I think the one the one shout out that we definitely need to give is Conrad De La Fuente. Oh Which, my God. because Barcelona, as I said on Twitter, needs to be continually covered in wet dirt, like <laughs> just absolutely mudded yeah. uh, from day Another one. one. Yeah. De La Fuente leaves Barca for Marseille because he wasn't getting hardly any playing time at Barca, goes out, grabs an assist in his debut for Marseille and and looked absolutely like up to the level and, and looked like he's going to be a, a force in this Marseille side. He was incredible, and he actually made the team of the week in Lyon, his freaking debut. Yeah. Um, he's, he's, wow, what a debut. Like, I can't remember a, a better debut, honestly, in recent memory of, of a player. And the fact that he's a U.S. international is just awesome. I don't think there's anyone in the pool quite like him yeah. um, who can just, like, skin a man alive and just that change of pace. Maybe Pulisic, I suppose. Um, but I think he's even more explosive than, than even Christian. Yeah. Uh, and he was absolutely terrorizing <laughs> those, those Montpellier fullbacks. Uh, and yeah, he had a really, really good game. And then the only other, the only other call out I have is, is Clermont newly promoted, went yep. out and beat Bordeaux two nil and did it in style. Like didn't it, this wasn't a smash and grab anything like that. And Clermont are actually top of the table after match day one. <laughs> this is their first season in Liga ever, I think. And yeah, they are. I think, I think Angers may have the tiebreaker, but Clermont are up there. Yeah. Clermont foot and Bordeaux, obviously a historic club to get beat at home. I think they were at home yeah. uh, on opening days is, is never a good look. Um, and yeah, Claremont foot with two late goals to, to seal the victory. Uh, what a way to announce yourself to the league league and already setting itself up. We didn't even mention the fact that the match was actually delayed. The Marseille Montpellier match was actually delayed for right. 14 minutes because of ultra <laughs> ultras hitting players with bottles, uh, like during the game to the point where the referee, they actually injured a, a Marseille substitute. Um, and drew blood, unfortunately, obviously not the type of behavior you want to see, but it got to the point where, uh, Matteo Ganduzzi actually picked one of the bottles up and emptied the contents onto the pitch, like almost goading the, (laughs) the fans into throwing more. Um, and the referee was like, I've seen enough and took everybody off the field for 14 minutes. Well, first he went off without even like saying a goddamn word (laughs) to anyone, (laughs) Uh, and then, yeah, then took the players off and yeah, I mean, you never like to see that stuff, but like low key, I'm like, yay, I'm so glad the fans are back. Um, <laughs> but yeah, if any, if any Arsenal fan out there is still confused as to why we sold Matteo Ganduzzi, go and watch the end of this game because that's just super immature from him. Um, and, uh, yeah, that's, that's why he no longer plays for, for the Gunners. But, I mean, I thought he had a pretty good game as well. So yeah. I'm just really intrigued by the business Marseille have done, and I'll be keeping an eye on them all season. Yeah, they kind of raided Arsenal with Saliba and, and Ganduzi headed that way. So um. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> so that's another reason to be interested. But, yeah. I, uh, yeah. 
it it's going to be a very interesting league. Obviously, PSG, the big, big favorites after the business they've done, landing literally the greatest player of all time. Um, and it'll be interesting to see how they how they carry on this season. But the rest of the league, like make no mistake, the rest of the league is absolutely worth tuning into. And there there are Max. not any bad games in League One. Like I I and I could especially with fans back tune into these matches because the fans are absolutely like crazy. The ultras are just like off, off the charts. Um, but the quality of the players is unbelievable. And even in a losing effort, Montpellier's two goals are fantastic. So like you need to, you need to get out and and watch some of the, the teams aside from like the big, big names. Cause obviously we'll all be watching Messi with interest, but there, there are some absolutely brilliant teams out there. Um, that fly under the radar. So certainly, certainly make sure you can tune in, um, whether it's, you know, uh, through Fubo or Fanatees or. Yeah, I got Fubo TV. Uh, Fanatees I used last season. It was, it was all right, but Fubo is super reliable. So yeah, yeah I'll be watching. So, um, well that, that, I mean, we could talk for hours about, about the messy deal and about Barca's issues and Liga and, but, um, I think uh, we've got we've, we've got the Premier League upcoming, and so I think we'll take a quick break, and then we'll be back to talk about a, a little bit of a Premier League preview, some transfers, and some predictions going forward, um, and see if we can outdo ourselves from last season. Welcome back to Hardcore Football. Mika, the Premier League is coming up, and, and obviously the big story every summer is the transfer window. We had a little bit of an odd one um, in that, Obviously impacted by COVID. Some teams are doing a lot of business. Some are like noticeably not doing as much business, but there were a few high profile transfers that seemed to be in the works for a long, long time. Um, and in particular, the, the two Manchester clubs and then a, a certain uh, a blue London team went out and uh and did some pretty big business this this summer yeah yeah um I mean I guess we have to start with Jack Grealish to Manchester City from Aston Villa for 100 million pounds I think that's the British transfer record right uh ever he's the most expensive player ever I think in the Premier League um yeah and I mean to be fair he's a brilliant player had a good Euros uh has been amazing for Aston Villa, to be fair. Um, was their captain, is an Aston Villa boy, so I'm sure that's a very painful departure for for the Villa fans. Um, but it's hard to say that he hasn't earned this move. Um, I think it's just going to be really interesting to see how Pep Guardiola uses him because he's never really struck me as a Guardiola-type player. Um, but... You know, he can play in a couple different positions. We've seen him on the wing. We've seen him as an eight. There's talk that he may even be that new false nine since, you know, so yeah. you're not, not employing strikers anymore, apparently, unless Harry Kane gets over the line. But um, <laughs> we won't go there. So, yeah, a fascinating move. Overshadowed by Leno Messi, much to his chagrin, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, huge, huge money for him. Um, do you think that's 100 million pounds well spent? I think it's so tough to tell when a player's making a jump from playing at a side that, I mean, let's be real. Villa were a championship club when Grealish came up. Um, 
he, you know, oversaw that like was a big part of their promotion and, and all of that, but he hasn't faced expectations on the level that he'll have playing for city. Like if you go out and you have a six out of 10 or no, I'll say, uh, no, that's, that's too high. Cause uh, even for, even for city fans, like they're, I would say more forgiven than that. But, um, but if you go out and you're not noticeable as a hundred million pound signing in a, in a performance, you're going to hear about that every single time. And it's not, it's not the same at Villa where, I mean, you can have a standout performance and you're going to get a lot of plaudits and you're going to get like a lot of attention for, Hey, he had a really good game in X game. But if you're a passenger for a couple of games, no one's going to necessarily call it out to the intensity that they will at a club like Manchester city, where the expectation and indeed like the pressure needed over the last, you know, few years to win titles, like in the premier league, it's been extremely high bar um, where every single match you have to win basically. Like, I mean, some of these, some of these records, you know, hundred points, 98 points, 97 points, like over the last, you know, three of the last four seasons, what it's taken to win the title has been crazy. Um, And uh, so anyways, like, I just think it's tough to know how a player is going to react to that, increase in pressure um and i'm not saying that Grealish can't handle it because obviously he's risen to to most of the, the occasions that he's faced he's played at the national team level now but um but i just think he's going to be in a pressure cooker now each week and it'll be interesting to see how he actually responds um and i think it's always just a little bit of a a gamble um when right. you're buying a player for that amount of money who is coming up to a higher level of of the game Right. Well, not only that, but he's out now also one of many. He's not the man anymore. Yeah. Uh, that city team is stacked from head to toe, and he's just one of the guys now. He's sure. not the guy. Uh, so, we, you know, we've seen how that plays on, on pe- people's egos in the past um, who have been the guy, and then they make a move and it doesn't work out or, or vice versa. Sure. Um, so that'll be interesting too, just kind of psychologically how that works. Cause he might be on the bench. Who knows? I mean, yeah. we've seen the likes of Riyad Mahrez and, and guys like that on the bench, Leroy Sané when he was still at city and yeah. these big, big players. So, and big money um, too. Like Pep, right. I don't think Pep is necessarily like he, he's not going to feel like he owes Grealish playing time just because of the fee. Right. Um, so yeah, Interesting. I, it, it, it will be fascinating to watch how he gets on um, in a squad like that. Cause yeah, at Villa, like, I mean, he's probably the first name on the team sheet. Um, right. No one's taking that spot off of him bar injury. Um, and now you've got, you know, three or four players who could conceivably say like on a given week that, you know, yeah. that they're gunning for that spot. So yeah, it's a, that's an interesting, interesting issue um, for Grealish. It's, I just always get nervous when the fee is that big. Um, but I mean, right. I think we've seen in the past, like if, if it's the right player for the right situation, then the fee is worth it. Like it, you know, there is no, no such thing as like too much money as long as it's a good fit and it improves the team. I just, it'll just be interesting if it actually does that for, for city. And obviously he could be brilliant. Who knows? Um, right. 
but it is a lot. It's a lot to live up to. Definitely. The uh, the other big money transfer coming into to Manchester, but the red side of Manchester, Jaden Sancho, um, united through and through, as they say, um, despite the fact <laughs> he was on City's books like two years ago. Um, and but, is from London. And it's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, Jaden Sancho, uh, you know, Red Devil since birth. Um, he he joins for a hefty fee himself, um, just just around the 95 million euro mark um, and comes with obviously loads of expectation, but on the back of a summer of a little bit of disappointment in that he wasn't heavily utilized at, in England's run to the Euro 2020 final um, and found himself kind of on the fringes of that squad um, now, you know, thrust straight back into the limelight, uh, following that tournament with this, this big money move to a United side that is clearly, I mean, by spending this money, they're saying, Hey, we're trying to win a title now. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I mean, we knew this was going to happen eventually United have been chasing him for years now. Uh, I think it's a great signing, to be fair. They needed somebody on the right, and he is probably the best in the world in that position right now, and an incredible player coming off another incredible season at Borussia Dortmund. Um, you know, another one of those English players that benefited from leaving the country to, to find playing time and now gets his huge money move. Um, I'm interested to see how he does. I, I mean, I think he'll do really well to be fair. Uh, and, and I think United are serious about challenging now. I think they're still a defensive midfielder away from a premier league title. Uh, I think they still need to address that area of the pitch, but this Jaden Sancho signing certainly moves the needle in their favor for sure. Um, obviously huge expectations at United. Um, the fans are, are very demanding, uh, and, and the pundits are as well. So in the former United legends and everyone who has their say on the, on the, at the, on the team at all times. So, um, yeah, I will say though, that, um, I think it's a little bit of a bargain. Like I think they kind of got a bit, a little lucky here with the timing and COVID and all that. Cause yeah. to go for under a hundred million is I think pretty good business actually, even though the fee still is pretty, pretty high. Yeah. And they definitely benefited from a period of like slightly decreased output because I think at, at the rate that uh, Sancho was going in his first full season with Dortmund. It was, I mean, he, you know, was at a clip of, you know, 20 goals, 20 assists basically. And, and that sort of return from a player <laughs> over a league season is you're not getting him for less than a hundred million. So the fact that he had like right. a slight regression uh, towards the mean, obviously not in terms of the, his quality or anything like that, but just the output numbers were a little bit lower. Um, mm. I think that just helped help their case a little bit in terms of being able to pry him away from Dortmund for, for a little less money. But um, yeah, they've certainly got a brilliant player um, and, and no, uh, I don't think anyone's going to hold um, that fee against him necessarily, but it'll be, it's interesting with Grealish coming from the kind of like this home, not, not homegrown, I guess, cause he's Irish, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but this oh sort of like, God. you know, brought up in, in the, 
in the club system versus Sancho who opted to go abroad and come back. It's kind of an interesting juxtaposition of these two, like big money, young attacking, uh, playmaking types, um, on either side of, uh, of a huge rivalry. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the Manchester derbies are just that much more interesting. They've added a center back as well in at United and, and, a world-class one at that Rafa Varane uh, joins from Real Madrid as Madrid pushed out both of their uh, basically starting center backs uh, for various reasons and Varane joining, joining United. Um, You know, Maguire obviously is kind of the center of that, that United defense, which at times last season just looked a little bit suspect. I think a lot of people point to Lingard as like the weak link in that, in that partnership does Varane now raise the level of this to the point where United could have that like stout defense that maybe has kept them from being a more serious contender in recent years. Uh, Yeah. I mean, I think this is probably the more impressive business uh, because they get him, even though it's what's the fee? Let's see, about forty-three million pounds. That's still a steal for Rafael Varane. I mean, World Cup winner, multiple Champions League titles. Still, you know, entering his prime. Um, you know, granted, he only had one year left on his deal, so that kind of explains the fee. But um, just a really, really good signing, and one that again I think moves the needle even more in, in favor of them having a title. Um, uh, yeah, just just a really great signing, and I it's crazy how Real Madrid have completely torn up that back line, um, and it might be too much change too too quickly. But I think you, I think you meant to say Lindelof though, right? Not Lingard. Wow, I said Lingard, <laughs> didn't I? I was like, wait, <laughs> he is. Hey, in in my defense, he is an absolute liability at center back. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that is true. That's factually accurate um <laughs> yeah but Varen, my Varen, Varen Maguire is one of the best partnerships in the country for me to be fair um and yeah obviously on paper we'll see how it works yeah. out but I think on paper that's a formidable heart of defense and the last the last really big money signing um Chelsea breaking the bank to bring back their homegrown player, Romelu Lukaku. Um, he's, he's the prodigal son, uh, have coming <laughs> off a title winning season with Inter Milan, um, returns for a huge fee. Um, and, and I mean, Mika, obviously I, you know, I, it, it's been brought up on Twitter a lot and Paul Pogba sort of brought up, uh, maybe an unnecessary casualty in this, in that Chelsea have sp- splash the cash to bring back a player that they already had on the books um, right. previously. They're getting back, I guess, you know, the way to look at this is they're getting back a very different Romelu Lukaku than the one that left all those years ago. Yeah. Like you said, splashing huge, huge cash on him. Let me see. What is the fee? Cause it's like one fifty 97.5 million pounds. So yeah, hundred about 115 million euros. That's insane for a player that used to be on your books. I mean, and is like north of 30. No, is he? I thought he's like late 20s. Or is he or is he 30 now? Maybe not. I don't know. I thought he was like 28. Oh, something. maybe. I think he's in his prime. Um, oh, yeah, he's 28. My bad. No, you're good. But I mean, either way, like, it's, uh, 
there's there's a lot of things, a lot of facets to this. Like you brought up, he was on the books at Chelsea. I think when he obviously when he came into Chelsea, he was competing with what Anelka, Torres, uh, you know, all drug, drug uh, like all these <laughs> all these strikers. Like yeah. he was like fifth or sixth choice or something. So it's not totally shocking that he didn't really get a fair shake at Chelsea the first time around. Obviously, did really well uh on you know his loan spells to West Brom Everton when he joined Everton he was really good enough for Manchester United to pay big money for him um and you know despite the fact that he was so criticized at Manchester United um you know having been very expensive himself at 75 million pounds or something like that um he still scored a bunch of goals for them so yeah um it wasn't like it was a failure i think a lot is made of his time at united that's perhaps unfair um and then of course he went to inter and completely went off and became a hero there so to see him leaving so soon after triumphing in that in that city title race uh is is a shame inter or another club that are just like financially ridiculous right now um yeah. and so he's he's kind of a casualty of that um, but yeah, joining Chelsea for a huge fee. And now that I think about it, like the amount of money that has been spent on Lukaku and transfer fees is nuts. Yeah. Like absolutely ridiculous. But I mean, he is one of the best strikers in the world. So, yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think the key for this, this Chelsea side, uh, and I'm interested about, about your take actually on this as well, Mika, like for me, a lot of people have kind of pointed to Timo Werner and I think, you know, not unfairly in that, Hey, Chelsea have gone out and bought another striker because Timo wasn't the player that they wanted him to be or didn't get the return that they expected. And I'm not sure how you feel about this, but I almost think that this is a type of signing that could actually benefit Timo Werner in that, like he'll get to play off of a striker and maybe drift out wide similar to how he was often utilized at Leipzig. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, assuming he still is in the plans and I, I would hope that he is cause he's, he's another player that Chelsea spends a lot of money on. Um, although they are one of those clubs that can afford to make those kind of expensive, yeah. uh, I won't call it a mistake, but like those expensive risks that maybe don't right. pay off right away. Um, but yeah, yeah, no, I mean, <laughs> the only thing that can stop them is a ban. Like that's a, they, <laughs> the only thing that can really. stop them spending that money is, is a ban. Right. Exactly. Um, yeah, no, I, I think the, it, that's a very good point to, to point to the fact that he played off, you know, like a big man at, at, at RB Leipzig. And we spoke about this last season. I always, I always kind of thought that Chelsea didn't really know what kind of player they were buying. And and I didn't find it all that surprising that he wasn't banging in the goals because the way that he was being utilized by Frank Lampard was not <laughs> what we had come to see at RB Leipzig. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, if he still is in the plans, then I'm sure he would benefit from partnering Lukaku or playing off his shoulder. Um, but either way, though, I still think on its face it kind of looks kind of bad for Timo Werner. Like, you, you didn't sure. put away the goals, and then now they've gone out and splashed major cash for a striker and... Um, you know, I think that's it for Tammy Abraham too, to be fair. Yeah. Um, and, and so, yeah, uh, Chelsea have so, so many options. They already had a ton of options before Lukaku even joined. And so it'll be interesting to see how Thomas Tuchel balances that because, mm -hmm. um, that's a lot of star power to, to try and fit together. It, yeah, it feels like a top heavy team and I know they're coming off a champions league win. So it's hard to 
totally criticized given the fact that, you know, they have (laughs) silverware to their name. But I just, when I look at that back line, I get, uh, I just, it feels very much like old school, old school Liverpool, like, like early Klopp era Liverpool, where it's just like, you know, the Ferrari up front and just like the beater at the back. Like it's just, <laughs> and as those guys get older, Rudiger and, and, um, and as like, there's just a lot of question marks for me. Mm. Um, so well, obviously the is not over and they yeah. have been linked with Jules Koundé. So, which would be huge. Yeah. And I think yeah. that would be a total game changer for, for Chelsea. If they can get that one over the line. Um, I'm sure Monchi will have his say, but <laughs> um, right. he's, he's thinking we're about to win La Liga. No, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, Messi's out of the league. Like Kunde is about to lift this trophy right now. <laughs> um, so obviously we know like the big, the big money signings. Ob- these have been hyped all season, you know, all really before last season even ended. Some of these were already being talked about. Um, and there's been a lot of other business that's gone on, like in the meantime, um, that's maybe flown under the radar. So I'm really, I'm interested, like Mika for you, what are, what are some of the underrated transfers that maybe haven't hit the heights of some of these really, really big money signings, but are going to make a difference in the premier league this year? I hate to say this as an Arsenal fan, but I think Spurs have done some very interesting business, um, namely the the transfer of Cuti Cristiano Romero, the the Copa America champion from Atalanta. Mm-hmm. Um, he joined Spurs for I th- think like forty two million pounds. So it's not like he was cheap, um, but I think he is going a little bit under the radar just because of everything else that we just talked about. Um, he is just an old school defender in every sense of the word, very mature, very physical, only 23 years old. Uh, Spurs have needed to, to re reformat their back line for some time now. So I think that this is a really, really good signing and I'm actually really jealous um, because he's, he's just a really good player. Um, So I think he's one that maybe has gone under the radar and um, that, that I think is really well suited to the Premier league to be fair. Um, and, and actually Brian Hill too, from, from Sevilla to Spurs yeah. is also another really interesting one. He's very, very promising. Um, some Sevilla fans were really angry to see him go, but I think actually it was probably the best move because he was probably not going to play for Sevilla much and they wanted to catch in. So, um, yeah, I can't believe I'm saying this, but Spurs have had some pretty interesting ones that I, that I kind of <laughs> like to be fair. Yeah. I, uh, I think for me, the the signing that stuck out, and I know this this is not going to shock anyone, um, but we were talking um, on the break about Lester's business, and and mm. Pots and Daka is is one that is really interesting to me because it feels like a team has gone out and identified a, a spiritual successor, like to a player who still plays for the team, and that is Jamie Vardy, but they've uh-huh. already basically replaced him, like. Right. before they need to, um, which I thought was really shrewd to go out and, and grab him. Um, and he's, he's already scored, I think a couple of goals in preseason as well. Um, so he's looking like looking to, you know, like he's ready to go for this year. Um, but 
them signing uh, Bubakari Sumare from Lille as well. Um, not one of the big names, not one of the like headline grabbers from that the title winning team, but um, you know, a player if you're if you're trying to think like in the vein of Ingolo Conte, like in the vein of um, some of these sixes that dictate play can actually, you know, can control the game. Well, Sumare is, is one of those guys. And I think obviously the Lester, this, this Lester side is um, used to having quality defensive midfielders and, and central midfielders who can control the, the pace of play um, and control the game. So I think, I think that was really shrewd of them um, just to go out and get a player that, that fits that mold. Um, And, I think is maybe a little bit more dynamic too than um than uh gosh now Lester's uh Indeedy. Yeah, like yeah. I think they could I think they could partner quite well together because Sumare does have like really good passing range and uh and just an ability to to kind of start things um from midfield but yeah, so I think I think those are so, that was pretty good business from Lester and um and then the one that intrigues me, and this is playing off of the Barca theme of this episode, but Trincao at Wolves, mm. I'm really interested. It's a loan, obviously. I don't know if there's any like option to buy or anything like that at the end of the year, but Trincao uh, getting a chance to be like a more of a prominent attacking piece rather than kind of a, a, a supplemental. Um, piece. I'm just interested to see how he gets on, especially with Wolves being a little bit of an unknown now that that Nuno is is at Spurs. Well, I don't know if you've had a chance to like see any of the clips doing the rounds of Bruno Lage's Wolves, but they are way more exciting to yeah. watch these days. <laughs> I know it's just preseason, but they I mean, they just look like they're like unlocked. <laughs> so yeah. I'm sorry. People are starting to say like, "Whoa, was Nuno the problem?" Which I'm not gonna go that far because I think he was excellent for Wolves, uh, if <laughs> if if a bit dull at times, sure. um, a lot of the time. Um, but yeah, <laughs> Trincao is a really interesting one, um, and yeah, Wolves are, will be one to watch. I'm hoping they'll have a better uh, season this season because when they're on, they're they're a lot of fun, yeah, and they're good for the league. I think. Um, I will say another team who's had a really interesting window, like low key, um, because they had so much they needed to change and so many player contracts expiring. Crystal Palace. Yeah. I mean, some of their moves are really interesting. Uh, Joachim Anderson, uh, who was, I think, at Fulham, mm-hmm. uh, but he, he moves over from Lyon permanently. Good defender. Michael Elise from Reading. Yep. Um, you know, Crystal Palace obviously finding value in the championship. And I think Mark Gahey, too, from from Chelsea is another good one that they spent a, a little bit of money on in defense. So they basically yeah. rebuilt their defense, which they really needed to do because that was an extremely aging back line yeah. um, and have added a flair player on Elise. So, and, and Patrick Vieira is at the helm. So I'm going right. to be paying attention to Palace quite closely, I think. Yeah, I think I think. Palace also, you know, and not in any meaningful way in terms of fees or anything like that, but they've done a good job of clearing out some of the like dead wood mm. uh, and just trying to turn over this team from, you know, Roy Hodgson was pretty 
like established and set, you know, with, with a group of players that he, that he favored. And so the likes of McCarthy Townsend, Van Onholt, Sacco, Hennessy, um, Gary Cahill, all, all out. So, um, yeah, just a very yeah. new era at, at Crystal Palace and, and, uh, under, <laughs> under Patrick Vieira, which, It'll be that that's fascinating in and of itself, given his his relatively like short tenure at Nice um, and how quickly he adapts to to management in the, you know, the league that he played so well in for so long. Yeah, definitely. I mean, obviously, as an Arsenal fan, I'm I'm super interested to see how he does, because there are some Arsenal fans who think maybe he'll manage Arsenal one day. But, uh, you know, Palace is a London club with a very proud history, very proud fans and it's it's going to be fascinating. Well, last year we did some predicting. And now we're going to do the same thing. I was absolutely mudded last year in like all of my predictions, I think. I think um, I was too with a lot of mine. <laughs> <laughs> I think you well, got the, the champions right. I think you got the champions right. I think you picked City uh, to yes. win it. Yeah. Which is like not that impressive, but yeah. I, <laughs> <laughs> it actually and we can start there with our with our champion predictions for the Premier League. The this season, it feels a lot less straightforward. Yeah, um, I th- I'm going to go out and say I think that City will win the, the league again. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I don't know. I just think that I don't know that yeah. I just have a feeling that they could do it again. Um, but I do get, I do take your point because the Chelsea and Manchester United have made big, big strides in, in trying to close that gap. And, um, it should be on paper. It seems like it'll be closer. Um, but I think if anything, there's like a, a mini league of its own (laughs) solidifying at the very top of the table. And maybe, maybe the Premier League is becoming, more and more predictable, but yeah, I think United and Chelsea will definitely be fighting Liverpool too. Um, now that, that Van Dyke is back, mm-hmm. uh, and and they've added Ibrahim Konate, of course, so he's yeah. he's one that I think moves the needle in, in their favor. Um, and yeah, um, it'll it'll be a fascinating run, but I'll, I'll pick City to to win the league again. I it it's tough because obviously with last season being just the brutal slog that it was um the liverpool prediction at the beginning of the season to to repeat <laughs> as champions was obviously misguided um <laughs> not not knowing obviously that you know van dyke's uh season would be cut would be cut so short um but yeah it's just I don't know. It's tough for me. It's tough for me to say that it's going to be a two horse race. Like I really do think that this title could involve just a lot more teams come the end of the season. Um, and I feel like I can't tell who that suits. Like I can't tell who the dog fight suits more. Um, like in my mind as a Liverpool fan, I I want to think that it's that it's Liverpool and Klopp, but I think the reality of the situation and you know Andy Robertson getting hurt in preseason now, like he'll miss probably five games. Um, there's just a little bit of a fragility to the depth 
at that Liverpool team right now. And I don't think that they've been able to do the business that they want, um, given the financial situation. Um, not obviously it's not tenuous, but the club is self-sustaining. So that's like, there is no cash injection coming. Um, and so everything that they do is going to be generated basically by the club and with almost, you know, with a lot less revenue to speak of, I don't know that without some significant outs, like I'm not sure what type of like big blockbuster they'll be able to do. Um, so I just find it tough to look past. I do find it tough to look past city just because of that depth. Um, which pains me to say, I do think that Chelsea, I think Chelsea will, will be exciting this year. But again, I don't think that they have the, I don't think they have like a team, enough of a team to see out the 38 game season. Like, I think they will be dangerous every single week, but I don't know that they have the team to see out a title race. I think, I think United in certain attacking areas are a player away from being like totally like lost even mm. offensively. Um, they have a lot of weapons. Don't get me wrong. But I think last season we even saw like there was a period of time where Bruno Fernandes got really, really jaded. So without, without a better plan to like rotate and a better plan to like keep these players fresh throughout the season, I think Solskjaer probably faces a little bit of a challenge because if he tries to trot out the same, you know, 13 guys for, for 38 games, like, they're just not going to, they're, they're not going to be able to sustain it over that, that long period. Um, so yeah, unfortunately I think we probably see city win it again. Interesting. All right. So we both pick city book it. <laughs> <laughs> so at the other end of the table, the relegation fodder, who for you is going down this year? Oof. Um, I think all the promoted teams actually have a chance of going straight back down, them being Watford, Norwich City, and Brentford. Um, Brentford are new to the game, uh, so, yeah, I I worry about them a little bit. Sure. Um, I don't want them to go down because I think they're an exciting team and it mm-hmm. would be interesting to see them stick around and see what they can do, but I think they're you know, odds are that they'll be around that area. Um, I yeah. don't know that they can do a leads necessarily. Um, Watford never know what you're going to get with them. I th- they were excellent in the championship, but yeah, yeah. I think they're also going to be in danger. And then Norwich, of course, uh, with Norwich, it's all about, I think they're better prepared for this Premier League season than they were the last time they came up, but they're used to being on the ball a lot. And I don't know that that's going to happen in the Premier League necessarily. Yeah. Um, they've made some interesting signings in, in Sargent and Rashica and obviously Daniel Farka is a good coach, but you know, I wouldn't be surprised if they, they feel the drop too. another one that has been in the Premier League for a couple of years now that I worry a little bit about is, is Brighton and Hope Albion. Yeah. Um, because they finished 16th, 16th. Yeah. Just yeah, outside. So, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, they, they had some good distance between themselves and, and 18th place in terms of points. Um, but still, um, I worry that they haven't done enough in the transfer market to, to move the needle. Obviously, they had that great windfall from selling Ben White to Arsenal for 50 million pounds. But, you know, the, the transfer window is not over yet. So we can we can still see some some moves coming on the horizon. But they desperately need a goal scorer. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, I think they just need to do 
more business if they want to to be super safe. Which I, is I'm not going to pick Burnley because Burnley always find a way to stay in the league. So. <laughs> no, this is my annual plea with God to please <laughs> relegate Burnley and Sean Dyche from the Aww. from the Premier League. Please, I, I beg you. I don't hate Burnley as much as others do, but I, I do find it funny like that they continue to stay up yeah, somehow. They, they find a way. Sean Dyche, I mean, it's him. It's got to be. <laughs> if... <laughs> if Brighton go down and Burnley stay up, I've, I've probably said this on the podcast before. But I think if, you have. If Brighton go down have. and Burnley stay up, then there is no justice in this life. And <laughs> we're simply spinning on a, on a, a blue marble in space. I, um, yeah, Brighton for me are, they are a consistent goal scorer away from being a solid mid table, if not like top half team. Um, and, that is deeply upsetting because I don't think that they're going to get anything over the line. And I think they're actually quite unlucky given when they're being faced with this challenge, because this summer has got to be the worst possible summer for them to need to go out and spend. Um, True. By next year, they may actually have enough capital, like between match day revenues and increased just like fan engagement, like this year, I think they may end up having some money to spend next year and it might not matter, which sucks. Like, so we'll be, we'll be standing in solidarity with, with Jake Necky, uh, one of our, <laughs> one of our good, uh, you know, a good friend of the pod, um, because I don't think either of us want to see Brighton go down and we would love for them to, to be a mainstay in the premier league because of Graham Potter's style. And, and some of the players who ply their trade down there are absolutely fantastic. Um, but it just seems like they, they just need someone who can consistently put the ball in the back of the net um, to, to assure safety. Um, and then just to touch on the couple of teams that you mentioned, I think, for the newly promoted sides, it's really tough when you're an attacking newly promoted side. Right. Exactly. Cause I think those teams do better if they can if they can survive season one, they do better in the long run. But surviving season one is really, really difficult. Right. I mean you it seems like you act you have to have Marcelo Bielsa on the bench or it's not gonna happen. <laughs> so yeah. yeah, if if Norwich or Brentford can see it out um this season, then I think we see them hang around the Premier League for, for a while. Um but this first season is gonna be absolutely brutal and they're similar to Brighton, like they're in a situation where they'd probably love to go out and spend a bunch of this newfound money on players, but the books probably won't allow it. Right. Yeah, exactly. So, so do we need to like definitively pick our three. I think we do. Okay. I'm going to go down, uh, Norwich, Norwich city. Yep. Brentford. And I'm, uh, I don't want to say it, but Brighton. Oh, <laughs> I don't know why, but okay. I think okay. Watford, cause Watford's defensive record in the championship was pretty good if i'm not mistaken i think if they can mm-hmm. replicate that back in the premier league then and they've been to the you know they've been in the Premier league quite recently so yeah. i i rate watford a, a bit but um yeah we'll see 
I might be being harsh to Brighton there. We should maybe we should roast Newcastle a little bit. But I was gonna I'll, say I'll the only other it. the only other teams that are that are on my that are on my watch list are are Newcastle for sure and a Danny Ingsless Southampton. See, I've picked Southampton to get relegated for like five years in a row previously, and it never <laughs> happened, so I don't do that anymore. <laughs> we don't do that so, here. I, we don't do that here, so I'm going to pick a different <laughs> South Coast club. I'm so sorry, Jake. I'm not saying I want it to happen, but something's just I'm just a little bit worried about them. So yeah. that, that, those are my three. I'm, I hope I'm wrong and something else happens, but... Yeah, I uh, I think I think Southampton. The only question mark uh, it's really because they they went out and they got Adam Armstrong from Blackburn Rovers, and it's just a matter of like, can he make that jump to the Premier League? I don't know. I get Charlie Austin vibes from that move, but <laughs> we'll see. I mean, 28 goals and five assists in, in 40 championship appearances last season. So a good return, you know, over over a goal in two, which is, yeah. is obviously a very solid return. But to come into uh, a Premier League side that is, you know, going to likely be mid-table somewhere there, thereabouts, and have to be the man in place of Danny Ings, who had one of his best seasons of his career last year. Um, that's a tall ask. Yeah, certainly is. And Southampton, as we know, are just prone to getting like smacked <laughs> at least once or twice a season. So just a couple that... of nine nils. Yeah. So, yeah. So for me, the three, um, if I have to, if I have to put my, my name on it, um, I'm going to go I'm going to go a little bit homer and say that Brentford is the only of the newly promoted sides that actually does survive. Okay. Um Norwich and Watford are two of the relegated sides um and then I will I think I will say that that Steve Bruce finally gives up the ghost and, and Newcastle, <laughs> Newcastle get relegated after a couple of close shaves um, probably, to be fair for them. Yeah. That probably makes a lot more sense than my Brighton shot to be fair. Eh, I mean, it's not <laughs> impossible. Like that Brighton team that we thought very highly of last year was close. So, mm. I mean, relatively not, right. not in practice, but yeah, I th I'd say I'm, I'm going Watford, Norwich, Newcastle, um, and, uh, and we'll go from there, but the last, last prediction, golden boot, who's scoring the most goals in the, in this here league. <laughs> I, I think if, and when the Lukaku deal gets finalized and it, I think it will, assuming nothing ridiculous happens with the medical, I think Lukaku could come back to the Premier League and bag like 30 goals. Just because he's so, he's coming off a huge season, bringing glory to Inter, who have not won the title in so long before that, became a hero in Milan. His confidence has to be sky high. He's getting a move for yet another record fee, or huge yeah. fee anyway. Um, you know, I think his confidence is through the roof. I think he could bang a lot of goals and, and bully defenders like we've seen him do, because he's done it in the Premier League before. So he's more of a, yeah. a, a sure thing than than some of the others coming from the continent. So I think Lukaku could, 
could force his way into that golden boot discussion. So I'll, I'll go hidden for top score. Dang. I, uh, I think the only, the only thing that might be to his disadvantage is the fact that he won't take pens for Chelsea. I, I, I mean, I don't think oh, true. with, with Jorginho, that's the only, that's the only thing. And obviously it does play somewhat of a role, but yeah, I think Lukaku could probably, I mean, Sadio Mane has tied for a golden boot previously with two with, well, with Salah who takes pens for Liverpool. So, um, it's not out of the question. That was like a three-way golden boot that year, right? Yeah. The yeah. three, yeah. The three-way golden <laughs> boot. Um, so yeah, I, it's really interesting because one of the players who would be in this discussion, no one really knows what's going on with, with Harry Kane. I'm not saying that he would win the golden boot and I'm not saying that I would pick him to win the golden boot, but he won it last year. And Mm -hmm. we don't really know. Is he refusing to show up for training for Spurs? Is he like holding out for this move that may or may not materialize to city? Like what's not going to happen? Like I, I would put money on that. It's not happening. Daniel Levy doesn't do anything he doesn't want to do. Yeah. So <laughs> it's not happening this window anyway. But no. if yeah, it so. does, then I'll I'll publicly apologize on here. But I just it's not Daniel Levy's. Yeah. No. I just think with the amount think of think harder uh, about that. <laughs> <laughs> and I think with the amount of change around Spurs, I'm not inclined to pick Kane or Spurs to really do like a whole ton. Um, mm. New manager all the upheaval, like following Mourinho, all this stuff. Like I'm not, I'm not thinking they're going to turn up any trees. Um, so, um, man, it is hard to look past a, a guy of the, of the quality of Lukaku, but I may go, I may go for the Homer choice and just pick Mo, Mo Salah <laughs> to, to, to do it. I mean, um, Hey, he's been close the last couple of years. And I know there's obviously, you know, all time record, like for for goals in a season um so he's yeah. capable of it uh i think this liverpool side is going to be a little bit rejuvenated given really twofold the return of virgil van dyke but also the return of the fans i think they're Absolutely. a club that will benefit massively from from home field advantage uh right. and then i think tiago being with the return of Van Dyke, Tiago being utilized in his actual position and not as a six um, will stand a benefit for, for Liverpool's attackers kind of across the board. So, so that's basically, that's what I'm, so I'll go for my Homer choice and say Mo Salah gets it. Gotcha. I mean, that's, that's fair. He probably would have been my second choice, but not Lukaku, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> nice. um, well, Tons going on today, obviously, Premier League coming up uh, this weekend. I mean, it does start this weekend, right? Like, yeah. How is that even possible? It seems <laughs> seems insane to even say. Um, Arsenal kicking off against Brentford on on with a Friday afternoon kickoff as well. Yeah, yeah. I think at Brentford's new stadium. So yeah, that'll be fascinating. <laughs> To say the least, our clubs, our clubs taking on uh, two of the newly promoted sides. So just as Liverpool did in their title winning season of of nineteen twenty, they faced Norwich on the opening day, but this time at Carroll Road. Um, 
they they opened okay. the season at Anfield uh, two years ago. So, um, but anyways, yeah, some couple of couple of good matchups. I mean, United leads to kick off the season. That's that's a nice little Ooh, spicy spicy rivalry. Um, <laughs> Chelsea Chelsea Palace. Um, London Derby, Leicester Wolves, I think could be could be really London interesting. Derby. Oh, so okay. yeah, um, and then Spurs City gets the marquee Sunday uh, Sunday slot, which you know, take it or leave it. The the all or nothing Derby, the all or nothing <laughs> Bezo, Bezos Derby. That's great! Oh um, my god. Well, damn, you just reminded me that Arsenal are doing all or nothing this season. God damn it. Oh, shit. I forgot. <laughs> I can't wait for that. I really can't. I, I mean, I'm just hoping it's more interesting than the Spurs one because that got boring like yeah. really quick. Well, the Spurs, let's be real. The Spurs was a Mourinho documentary. It wasn't even sure, about. I, and that it wasn't might even have about, been why. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so maybe <laughs> it'll be an Arteta documentary, but. Oh, God. <laughs> um. Well, Mika, as we as we draw to a close, uh, we last season we had a playlist that we added to each each week called Sounds of the Season. We're gonna bring it back for season two. Um, our Sounds of the Season playlist is on Spotify. So, hardcore football. If this is your first time hearing us, um, me and Mika bonded over a mutual love of soccer, but also a mutual love of like alternative music. Uh, Indeed. Ev- everything in, in the like rock genre. Um, so we add a couple of songs each week and it added up to a playlist that ended up being like <laughs> stupid long um, and uh, <laughs> like good for road trips. So, um, so yeah, we're going to start it off um, with our entries this episode and Mika, I'm really interested what, uh, what you're starting season two off with. I mean, with the messy news, I had to go with the French, uh, punk <laughs> band <laughs> chunk, no captain chunk and their song city of light. Yeah. Um, I don't really have to go much more into that. Do I, uh, no, <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's my first pick for season two. And then of course I'm going with an, and my favorite English band, Boston manor, with uh their t- their uh, intro track from their not the most recent album but that one before that called Welcome to the Neighborhood song of the same name um just one of the chillest like intro tracks in in the genre and I think it's really fitting for the you know kicking off the Premier League season so those are my two picks what do you got for us Phil I love it I uh so I also picked an intro track for one of mine um and it's a it's an intro to a, a like lesser known band uh, named Above This um, with their song "Welcome to the Seven L 7 which I don't know what any of that means. But if you <laughs> cue up this song, one it is like quintessential early twenty tens like metalcore, whatever synths, <laughs> all that shit. Or oh, whatever. Hell yeah. But it's a classic album intro in that it's just a breakdown. And <laughs> the the call out, you guys have to listen to it. Like anyone who listens to this podcast has to go over and listen to this only because it's my announcement of us returning for season two. So oh, like yeah. what he screams at the beginning of the breakdown is just that's our 
This is our return. I will be listening to it immediately after we get off. <laughs> um, after we stop recording. It's impossible to not be hyped if you listen to that song, despite the fact that it is super cheesy and ridiculously, <laughs> uh, yeah, just very dated, like, when you hear it. And um, anyways, yeah, the 808 that hits, like, on the breakdown as well. Just, like, all that shit is just so very specific to a very... So, like, peak asking Alexandria-type vibes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, nice. like a very heavy version of that. <laughs> okay. And then, um, my second track is, uh, is a song, uh, by a band called volumes, uh, called erased. And it's definitely a more chill version of that song, but it, this is my, this is my ode to, to Lionel Messi. Um, and it's really, it's almost, uh, it's almost messy, like talking to Barca. Uh, um, uh-huh. yeah, yeah. Or maybe it's Barca talking to Messi. I don't know. You interpret for yourselves. But the bottom line is that it's it's pretty chill, so it it definitely will bring the vibe back into a more like medium space after <laughs> after I a palate like, cleanser, if you will. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so excellent. Um, well, the playlist is up. If you search "Sounds of the Season" season two, it should come up. Uh, and yeah, this will be another like monstrous playlist, but. Hey, it's great for throwing on at the gym, road trips, the yep. shower, all that. So And uh yeah, you can follow the playlist on Spotify and it'll auto- automatically update when we add new stuff so you don't even have to do anything or go back and resubscribe or anything like that. And uh we I guess like if well, if you want, you can go back and find the whole first season as well, um, and, yeah. and add that if you haven't. Um, so if you like what you hear on the start of season two, you can go back and he- and hear everything we picked all of last season. If you're new to the show, so um, with all that being said, as I said at the top of the show, we're Hardcore Football at HXC Football on Twitter, um, and uh, you can find us on all the big podcast platforms: Spotify, Apple, all that stuff. Um, so be sure to check us out, give us a listen, subscribe, follow, whatever, you, whatever the platform allows. And, uh, we will catch you guys, um, for a brand new full season. We'll be here for all the ups and downs and, uh, and it'll start with a really big, uh, weekend of football this coming weekend. So we'll see you guys next week. Yep.